This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So today I am here with a special guest, Jason Chaw, and my kids know him better than I do, but I've met him a few times and he is, well, the title, are you the Young Life Director? That's right, yeah. Okay. And Jason has been working with Young Life for 10 years and has a cool story about um, how he got there and, and discovered that he loved this work. Um, and he and his wife are in their early 30s and don't have kids. So I'm sure you feel like you have about a thousand children. <laughs> That's right. um, but I feel like you're an expert in teenagers. And it's so ironic and interesting or unexpected um, to a lot of parents how their kids don't open up to them. Right. But they'll open up to their young life director or their counselor or their teachers. Right. And that can be hurtful. But um, I, I have, you know, work with a lot of teenagers and they're way more open with me than my own kids. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I know that's developmentally appropriate, but it can be a little hurtful. But um, I heard you speak at one of the young life events and I just loved what you said about some of the teenagers who feel lost or what they wish their parents sure. understood. Yeah. So could you just share some of your experiences or insights? Yeah, totally. I mean, I think, I think the biggest thing that I've noticed in the in the recent years, and kids have changed. I think even in the last five years that I've, from when I started, mm -hmm. kids are different than how kids are now. Oh, interesting. Which is fascinating. I think a lot of that had to do with the pandemic, and you know, as millennials have now moved into adulthood and. Uh, this new generation of kids is coming up. I think um, when we look at kids, I think there's a lot of misconceptions that come with that. I think, you know, if you were to ask adults in our community and ask them and poll them and just say, hey, give us some words to describe teenagers, mm -hmm. I think I would, I would venture to say that most of the words and adjectives used would be negative. Mm. I think most people... Um, most adults in our community, if you were to ask them, hey, how would you describe a teenager? Mm -hmm. I think most of them would say they're entitled, yeah. they're lazy, they're coddled, <laughs> uh, you know, they can't look up from their screens. There, there's, yeah. there's words that they would use um, that in some regards probably are accurate, um, but it's rare that I hear words from adults used 
to describe teenagers in a in a good way. Mm. And I think that's the that's a hard part about teenagers right now. I think most of them feel un, misunderstood yeah. in some regard. Um, and I think we as adults have failed to recognize and see the the many many beautiful things about mm. teenagers in their generation. Yeah. Uh, um, in a lot of ways, they're self-reliant, they're pragmatic, they're mm-hmm. the most inclusive generation ever, mm. they're, uh, they're the most diverse generation. I think Yeah. I think they, um, there's things about kids that I think there's a distrust with adults at times yeah. because they feel misunderstood totally. by us. Um, and so, I mean, I think that's a lot of parents' struggles when they come and, you know, talk with me about issues they've had with their kids or or struggles they've had with their kids is um, there's oftentimes there's a behavioral thing that has happened that makes a parent want to address or or, or discuss with their kid. But I think there's a disconnect of what a kid is experiencing now in a lot of ways is totally different than what even I experienced or you experienced when we were a teenager. And so, so that disconnect, I think oftentimes makes a kid feel very misunderstood. Totally. You have no idea what it's like to be me right now or what it's like to be a teenager. And it makes them probably want to give up trying. Like why even try to be your best self when you've already been pigeonholed into these kids are little brats and selfish and entitled. Right. And so in in a lot of ways, I think what, um, what I talked about that night was, um, there was a statistic that came out in uh, in a Barna study, and Barna is a, a research group that does a lot of statistics on uh, not just faith in America, but just um, generations and and faith and church and how all those things are incorporated. Is and, that B A R N A? That's right. Okay, never um, heard of it. And they did a, a study a few years ago, and they said that ironically. The majority of teenagers, they said 73% of the teenagers they polled um, would say that when there's a difficult decision or, or a difficult thing that happens in their life, um, they want to turn to an older generation for advice and help. Mm-hmm. But the interesting part about that is that with that, they said 71% of them would also say that they don't find themselves approaching older generations because they feel like they won't be understood. Oh, wow. Um which was fascinating to me when I heard that because kids today, I think, oftentimes feel so misunderstood that they don't even know how to or want to approach an adult. Yeah. Even though deep inside, I think they want help from adults. But the problem, I think, it lies in that most adults in our community, because we just have in, in some ways written them off, and mm. begin describing them in these ways. Yeah. I don't know if that most of us have hope or believe in what this generation can offer mm. going forward. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. And so, I, and that's my challenge for a lot of adults, and I'm even guilty of it as well, yeah. of, you know, describing kids as, you know, they're they're uh, dumb at times and, yeah. and make silly decisions, but a lot of times I write them off of, Oh, it's just kids these days are, are like that. Yeah. Um, but the reality is, is it was a powerful image in my head of thinking about what it would look like if adults begin to speak higher of kids now. Yeah. Of beginning to believe in who they are and the gifts that this generation has that 
no other generation ever has before. Yeah. There's a connectedness and a togetherness um, that kids have in a way that, you know, they're digital natives and, and they're people that have grown up connected in a that's way that... That's great. Digital natives. I love yeah, that. Yeah, I, I think that's that. a word that's yeah. been used a lot yeah. to describe um, kids that are growing up now, but they've, they're far more connected and have a f- much broader reach than we ever have had before. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that, you know, they can get online and within moments out of nowhere, something can go viral and everybody has seen it. And yeah. there's shared experiences and moments, even though it, a lot of oftentimes it's on a screen. Uh-huh. Um, kids are getting to experience things together mm-hmm. in a way that we never, you know, I, when I wanted to hang out with a friend, I mm-hmm. called a landline mm-hmm. and their parents picked up and then, you know, we'd have to coordinate where we were going and when we were going. And, mm-hmm. um, and so in a lot of ways, the, the time that we had was a lot more limited mm-hmm. in, in terms of communicating with and connecting with people and friends and peers. But now it's all day long, every day mm-hmm. they're in some way, shape or form communicating and mm-hmm. connected with other people. Yeah. Um, so that it's just, it's just an interesting thing to, yeah. um, to think about with young people of how, how do we as adults begin to think higher and speak higher of kids mm-hmm. when we talk about them? No, I, that is so important. Just, um, really, I love the word see and see feeling seen and understood and, mm you know, there's a a phrase that we use in counseling called emotional safety. And they say that is the deepest human need is Mm. to feel understood and accepted the way you are. Right. And so to start out on this, you know, premise that, oh, teenagers, it's a terrible phase. And, you know, and I have to say, I mean, I love, love working with teenagers. I just, I think (laughs) they're so adorable. Like I, I, I just, I've even thought about doing a podcast like called something like why teenagers are so adorable. I mean, I just really, (laughs) truly adore them. They're a lot of fun. (laughs) They are. But I will say this too, just being very honest. I've talked about this before. I've been very humbled parenting teenagers. It's much, much harder than I ever thought it was going to be. Sure. And I'm, I'm pretty transparent. I'll post occasional on my personal social media. I'll post like I'm having a real low parenting day today. And you know, my teenagers sure. are making me feel like crap. But, um, and sometimes people will joke and go, well, if you can't handle this, then there's no hope for any of us because you have a PhD right. in psychology, you know? Right. But, um, so I have to be honest and say parenting teenagers is really harder than sure. I thought. Right. But I do adore my teenagers, right. but they do drive me crazy too. So, and hurt my feelings right. <laughs> a lot. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I and I I'm in a role which is you know I think that's why it's so important that kids have adults in their life outside of just their parents. Mm-hmm. You know, I think yes, I think most kids, I mean, all of us to a degree, are asking the question of who am I? Mm-hmm. You know, what's my purpose? Yeah. Where do I fit in? Mm-hmm. All of those you know big questions of life. I think with teenagers, it's really the first time they're encountering those those questions. Yeah. And so I think it's normal when kids keep parents at bay a little bit of, mm-hmm. because they have been 
that definition for their identity for their whole life at that point. Yeah, no, it is normal. And it's, that's, you know, I did have a podcast six months ago called When Teens Push Away. Right. And it was really kind of reminding people, including myself, like this is very hurtful, but this is what their biology is supposed to be doing for them is push away from your parents, find your own support system. So people like you and teachers and coaches and, you know, counselors, leaning on those people is very natural and healthy for their development. Right. And I think something that I've noticed um, over the years is I think parents have, I think the response from most parents with their teenagers that are starting to push away, pull away, Mm -hmm. kind of become more independent Mm -hmm. um, and have their own identity. I think the two responses that I've seen often are either one is fear Mm -hmm. and the other is frustration. I think, Mm -hmm. I think parents oftentimes fall into one of those categories. It's like, I'm afraid of what's going to happen to my kid because Mm -hmm. they're distancing, they're pulling away, they're isolating from me. They're, they're doing this or that Mm -hmm. I'm afraid. And so the grip tightens. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to make an attempt to, control a little bit more or mm-hmm. or pull them in or tighten the reins or those boundaries get a little a little smaller mm-hmm. and then the opposite is also true of I'm frustrated that they're pulling away I don't know I don't know how these boundaries may be the thing that is pushing them away and mm-hmm. so the frustration I think sometimes leads to I'm gonna let loose and try and be their friend and try and engage them in a way yeah. that's probably not as parental as, Mm -hmm. as they need. And so, and so I think oftentimes I think what happens is it's harder to find that medium of, Mm -hmm. yes, there's fear involved. Yes. There's frustration involved. How do I, how as as a parent, do I find this medium where I'm okay with them in this journey and search of finding their independence? Yeah. Um, Cause in a lot of ways, I think being a teenager is, they're figuring out how to do it without their parents. Because mm-hmm. in a few years, you know, teenage years are one foot in in, yeah. the, in the home and the yeah. other foot's ready to get out. <laughs> That's right. You know, that the word hybrid just came to mind because teenagers are like a hybrid of kids and adults. Right. And they're, they're morphing slowly and, right. and they're trying to straddle that fence of, like needing your parents, but needing to separate. And right. again, that's that's their goal. That is their task and their stage. Right. right. And so I think I think for for kids that that struggle is often found in um, thinking my parents are so involved. Mm-hmm. They're overbearing. They're too protective. They're insulating me from mm-hmm. you know I've been bubble wrapped in yeah. a lot of ways yeah. of, of any harm or or thing that could happen yeah. to me or I could do um, or the alternative is true of they're afraid of suffocating their kid and so they let loose and so right. there's Two no extremes. there's no boundaries and no no protective uh, yeah. protective measures and so a kid ends up you know I think the same thing is true with kind of all aspects of that even with their social media and their phones and all of that like you know at some degree it's do I let my kid venture into all of it right or do i protect them and keep them away away from all of it but the reality is is in a few years 
they're going to have it. Yeah. <laughs> and right. so, um, you need to slowly loosen the reins, correct. but have some reins right. and some boundaries. Right. And so I, I, obviously that's a lot easier said than done. Um, but I think that's what I've found in the, in the most recent years mm-hmm. with kids is there's a tension of, I want my parents support. I know that I need it. Mm. And I think deep down, most kids know, like I will be supported by my parents, mm-hmm. but it's that piece of, I don't know if they understand me. Yeah. That um, makes kids feel a little more distant oh, yeah. from them. Yeah. When you feel misunderstood and not seen, it really does make you just want to give up. And it reminds me of some of the, the research, um, and I'll probably get the words and the phrases wrong, but it the parallel is to instead of a self-fulfilling prophecy, it's mm. like an other fulfilling prophecy like they they did some studies and again I'm, I'll give the gist this is how my brain <laughs> sure. works but um, that they tell teachers this kid is not very smart mm. and and then they say oh this kid is really smart they're gifted right. and the teacher actually makes that happen and reinforces that and it was really just an experiment it wasn't even true right wow so if you think that kid is gifted you put a lot into them and you believe in them and if you think they're not and you would like to think a teacher would go extra the extra mile to help those that they don't think are smart or have learning disabilities which is a whole nother topic that I'm very passionate (laughs) about and I'm sure you would be I think everyone is gifted and I think everyone Mm -hmm. has disabilities sure and I actually think that relates to this whole experience of the way kids feel seen if they're in a blanket way viewed as negative in a negative light they really just want to give up and it and it becomes that not a self-fulfilling but whatever that other phrase would be you want to you just kind of make that happen you manifest that belief or you just say you know and and teachers can make you feel that way yeah totally and i think that's where fundamentally i think it comes down to what we believe and see in kids Mm -hmm. if our first instinct when we think of young people is negative thoughts yeah negative adjectives to describe them yes well obviously that's what we're speaking over our next generation yeah when the truth is i think it uh i think they would feel so much more understood Mm -hmm. and begin believing in themselves yes (laughs) in in a way that's different if adults begin to speak words that are different over yes them. yes and you know i really want this message to get out to every teenager and every parent and every person <laughs> is you are gifted right and your kid is gifted and right. your kid is special and your kid has been entrusted with special gifts and don't put them in a box but just sit there and watch and say like and, and you know don't also paint your kids in black and white. I've had, you know, many, and I'm sure you have stories. I'd love to hear any stories or examples, but I've had many people that would say, oh, you know, my brother was viewed as being so gifted. My parents are so proud of my brother and they're so surprised that I'm so successful, you know, and Mm. maybe that's a female and it's about a gender thing, or it could just be that you know, your parent prefers a personality or something or somehow is proud of one kid and and sees, oh, that's our bad child. It's like, no, you don't have a good child and a bad child. They might be harder in certain ways, but they are really gifted. And um, so I like to sort of, to me, an important philosophy in life, which I'd love for you to speak to is just us all being at peace and understanding who we are and the package right. deal of strengths and weaknesses 
that God has given us, like, what am I here for? Like you said, what are my special gifts? They may not be measured in school, um, but you know, this kid is amazing at this. Right. And these are five strengths this kid has. And there's two weaknesses. We don't have to ignore our weaknesses. Sure. Right. But like you said before, if, if we're viewed as, oh, these teenagers are all spoiled and lazy and all this right. stuff, then it's like you're missing so much. Right. Right. And and that's where, you know, I, I think for when we train our volunteers, um, and this is kind of language we use all the time mm-hmm. throughout the year with our volunteers is we tell them, hey, you you need to believe in kids and see things in kids mm-hmm. that they probably don't even see in themselves yet. Mm-hmm. Um, they're still in that developmental yeah. stage. They're still trying to figure out who am I? Uh, what are the things I'm good at? What are the things I'm passionate about? Um, but as an adult in their life, I think you have an ability to have a little bit of foresight of being, mm-hmm. being able to see Oh, they're really gifted at this. Yeah, begin to speak those into kids' lives over yes. them, where, where you as an adult, someone is beginning to believe in you before even maybe you believe in yourself. Yes. Um, oh my goodness, I love that. And so I, I think that's where, um, for as adults, I think the biggest thing is one is patience, and mm-hmm. I think the second would be empathy, maybe mm-hmm. Of, mm-hmm. of beginning to realize okay kids are experiencing socially culturally our, our world has changed their their world was flipped upside down just like yeah. ours were um a couple of years ago and and for them you know their experience day to day is significantly different mm-hmm. than than ours was mm-hmm. and for us to begin to empathize with that and realize how do i offer a listening supportive um ear yeah to a kid and that doesn't mean being their best friend that doesn't mean uh letting all the boundaries go but mm-hmm. i think what it is is having empathy of being being able to begin to put ourselves in their shoes of what would that be like from if yes. i had experienced that um yeah and then is that is that a response that they have that's probably appropriate mm-hmm. you know or is that appropriate is the question we're asking mm-hmm. now versus i would have never done that or my right. parents would have never let me do that. Yes. Um, or I can't believe that you would respond in that way. Yeah. Which is, is it's a totally different world that they're growing up with. And so I think, um, and I think kids have grown up in a world of distrust. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you think about it, I thought about this uh, a few weeks ago, but for us, you know, when something hard or, or bad happened in our world, mm-hmm. it, there was a few filters that were in place before we received that news. Mm-hmm. You know, it was when 9-11 happened, mm-hmm. it, it was a few hours before I heard about it when I was in school and mm-hmm. and then saw it on the TV later that night when I was at home mm-hmm. and then and then read about it more following what, what actually happened a few days after that. Mm-hmm. But I think about a, a recent events things like in Israel and in Palestine right now. Yeah. Kids know the moment it happens, they see every video mm-hmm. that was taken. They have every opinion right. that was offered. Um, and so I think kids are just bombarded with information mm-hmm. um, that has been their world of, they just have access to everything, which I think in a lot of ways is great. Yeah. In a lot of ways is hard because now 
the things, you know, the pain and brokenness of our world they experience is not just localized to their home and their mm-hmm. family, mm-hmm. but it's global. Yeah. And so I think there's a, a distrust or weariness that kids have mm-hmm. um, to everything. Mm-hmm. And I, there was a statistic I, I found um, the other day of, see if I can find it. It said that there was, um, if I can find it. Yeah, no, take your time. Um, Maybe while you're looking, one thought I had was that some of the issues that we are dealing with as, you know, parents with a teenage or whatever generation, these are timeless and ageless struggles. Right. But some of them are very unique. And we're on that cusp of, you know, most parents right now of teenagers are at least in their 40s, most right. of them. And or even older. And we didn't grow up with cell phones and, you right. know, I think remembering we're on the same team is another Oh, thing. absolutely. We're not the enemy. Yeah, like. I think there's a so much, I mean, friendly fire, if you will, yeah. that happens. I think, yeah. I think most parents obviously want what's best for their kid, mm-hmm. don't intend harm for their kid. Mm-hmm. But somewhere along the way, the, the fog yeah. <laughs> of war and our world has just been so inundated with things and stuff that I think it can be unclear of what we're doing, what yeah. our what our words, the weight of our words are holding, or yeah. our actions are showing. Oh, the and, weight of our words and, and, that is that lasts forever. Right, and so I think with that, I think you know, I think there is a lot of friendly fire that's happening of between adults and kids. Of we didn't that wasn't our intent by yeah. saying that. Yeah. But if you look deeper and you know, opened up a kid's heart of beginning to examine what that did to them. Yeah. Like, oh, that was harmful. That was actually a hurtful thing that I said. Right. I did. Um, but I found this. Oh, good. I found a statistic, but it said that <clears throat> um, kids ages 13 to 18 right now, it says fewer than one in 10 uh, trust the media, Hollywood, Wall Street. Less than a fifth say they trust the education system or the government mm. um, in 2020 after all the kind of racial un- unrest and during COVID said Gen Z trust in police healthcare system dropped by more than half. And so really the question is, you know, they're hearing voices from everywhere. Mm. But then the question is, well, which voice do I trust? Right. I don't know. As a kid, yeah. you're, you're hearing thousands. You're hearing every voice possible. And I think there's somewhere in there where a kid is wondering, well, which one do I trust? Yeah, their eyes are open and they're so exposed to so much, like you said, globally. And even just, I think, the humility or empathy. I'll say this to my kids and to clients. I'll say, I am so glad I did not grow up with a cell phone because I would have been totally addicted with my ADHD. Right, right. I mean, <laughs> and then I have terrible FOMO. Right. I would have been like severely depressed. I would have hated to know everything I missed right. out on. Right. It's terrible. And, and that kind of validation of going, guys, you're going through things that we never had to go through. And that must be really hard because right. we tend to do the opposite and go, oh, times were so much harder for me than they are for right. you. Right. Well, maybe in some ways, but in a lot of other ways, no, that's not true. Right. And I think that exposure also um, expedites their growing up mm-hmm. process mm-hmm. of 
you know, they're looking at all these images and videos of what's cool, what's popular, what what should I wear, what should I eat. Mm-hmm. All of those things are being right in front of them all day long. And yeah. so, so, you know, as you're becoming a young adult mm-hmm. in those early stages, I think there's a there's a pull, mm-hmm. if you will, and a draw to, oh, I know what's really cool as a, you know, as a 22 year old, mm-hmm. but you're 14. Yeah. <laughs> so right. You're you start wanting the things yeah. and dressing like and yeah. acting like somebody that's not quite where you are, you are yet in your that's stage right. of life. But it's hard because that those images are in front of you and that temptation is in front of you. Yeah. Of how do I be a kid right now? Right. Um, and so I think that's where things like Young Life, I, I really appreciate and love mm-hmm. of what we do is in some ways it's, we're not, it's not a patronizing, but it's how do we give space for kids to just be kids. Mm-hmm. Keep not, their innocence. Right. As long Keep as their possible. innocence. Uh, but not being naive to, to mm-hmm. their development and where mm-hmm. they're growing into right now, but giving them space of just being themselves and, and not feeling like we're rushing to the next chapter of life. Right. Yet at the same time, not holding them back from mm-hmm. moving forward. Yeah. Does that make sense? And so, yeah, definitely. Just that happy medium. Right. And so um, I think with kids, I think the biggest thing that I've kind of come back to is one is how how are we not just speaking words over them, but what do I actually believe about them? Mm-hmm. Um, like at my core, do I really believe in this next generation? Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second thing is how do I begin to practice empathy and patience mm-hmm. when I interact with them? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I, I deal with kids every day and there's so many moments where I'm mm-hmm. <laughs> wringing my hair out thinking like, why are you like this? Yeah. Why did you say that? Or why did you do that? Um, yeah. But I have to remember, uh, you know, how do I, how do I put them, put myself in their shoes, mm-hmm. begin to understand, you know, take a deep breath, have patience. How do I begin to have empathy for them? Mm-hmm. And then really taking steps into understanding them yeah that's the that's the hardest part of it is Mm -hmm. making an effort to really understand a kid yeah and why they did what they did or why they said what Mm -hmm. they said Um, you know an interesting example um I have a cousin who was she felt like she was my first niece because I was like 25 or so or 20 whatever when she was born and she's now probably 25 and I just adored her but when she became a teenager I remember like seeing some very annoying, well, I shouldn't say, I don't know if the right word is, um, I, I hate to even, well, I'm just going to be honest. It, it was to me kind of a very unattractive, disgusting behavior. I know it sounds terrible. I'm just sure, being very yeah. honest and I adored her, but she, every time I looked at her, she was taking pictures of herself and this was sure. about 10 or 11 years ago. Right. And I was like, oh, my goodness. I felt like that was newer, 10 sure. or 11, to take sure. selfies. And I'm like, every time I look at her, she's taking a picture of herself and posing. And it just seems so vain <laughs> and so superficial and so self-focused. And I was just thinking, I hope my kids don't turn out that way. Mm. Well, that's what they all, that's yeah. normal. It's normal to communicate that yeah, way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and it's, 
you know, I do think that focus on yourself is not ideal, but when you think about what kids are wanting is affirmation. Right. They want to be seen. They want to be valued. They want someone to say nice things. They want someone to share that existential loneliness that we all deal right. with. Like someone knows where I am. Somebody is excited and about cares, what I'm yeah. doing and they care. And sure. it feels like this ever present, uh, person observing you because you post everything and somebody's like, Oh, I love your outfit or where are you? Or, you know, but I don't, I don't really like that constant self-focus and selfies, you know? Right. So, but that's probably a good example of my initial, um, impression of the constant selfies 10, 11 years ago. It's like, Oh my goodness. Like, Oh, what do we do about this? But yeah. And I think a lot of that is in some ways, because kids are so connected on their phone. Like I, mm-hmm. like the example I used earlier of, you know, when I wanted to hang out with a friend of mine, I would call their house phone, you know, I have to figure out where we're meeting. You know, mm-hmm. I think kids in a lot of ways are safer physically. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think there's less, you know, to communicate with a kid. You can just hop on FaceTime yeah. or Snapchat and talk to them, you yeah. know between their and peers. they're on live 360 right. or something and they're talking to each other all day long and yeah. so i think in some ways um they probably are physically safer like i think the statistics show that right now like kids are less likely to leave their house they're less likely to get their license now they're uh-huh. uh, actually kids are drinking less alcohol wow um teen pregnancies have you know, they're still around, but they've dropped. Because they're getting their social needs met from their bedroom on their <laughs> right, phone. Right, right, exactly. But I think they're then with those challenges, like, yes, maybe they're physically safer, but the, the psychological part of it. Wow. Um, they're probably more vulnerable mm-hmm. of, of being exposed to things that they probably don't need to be exposed to. Right. E- either the what it is or the quantity of what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it pulls them them in in a way that is isolating in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. And so I think that's a big challenge we see with kids is they are the most connected generation mm-hmm. ever. Mm-hmm. In a lot of ways, they value their that connectedness the, with people. But at the same time, I think there's a, a piece of that where they're also isolated. Mm-hmm. And... But I do think genuinely, I, I, I really do think kids value in-person time with each other mm-hmm. more than anything else. I mm-hmm. know that we write them off and say like, oh, they only communicate by text and Snapchat and um, on their screens. Mm-hmm. But the reality is I think kids long for and want face-to-face interactions with their friends. And that's why I love things like Young Life because... I don't know, I'm just making this statistic up, but I feel like maybe only one in five kids are really good at initiating. Right. They would go if they were invited, but right. they don't like to plan. Right, right. And I think that's, you know, uh, one of our big focal points is that we we make an effort to invite a kid and make them feel like, hey, I want you to be here mm-hmm. versus just a blanket invitation or a, or a flyer that's posted up. Like, mm-hmm. obviously, we do some of those things, but our core, our bread and butter is, you know, we're inviting kids that we have relationships with, that we've met. Um, and a big part of what, big piece of that understanding teenagers mm-hmm. for us has been, well, we need to position ourselves in their world as much as possible. Mm -hmm. So like our volunteers are showing up at 
football games. Oh, yeah. Um, I go to every single home game that I can. Sometimes our leaders will go to away games. Yeah, I've <laughs> uh, seen them. Soccer games. <laughs> soccer games, volleyball. all, all yeah. of the above. And, and part of that is, um, you know, the opportunity to see and interact with kids. But in a lot of ways, it's our efforts to begin to place ourselves in their world, mm-hmm. to begin to understand their world and um, and kind of encompass and embody that world with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so with that, I think we we begin to slowly gain trust with kids. Yeah. Of oh, they're a part of my world. Yeah. They're they're always at my at my volleyball game or they're always at, you know, after school, they're always showing up and I see them all the time. Yeah. And so now it's not just an adult that says they understand, mm-hmm. but in a lot of ways we've we've proven to them that we we can be trustworthy mm. that we do understand and we want to understand and be a part of their world yeah and so that's kind of our dna and in, in the fabric of who we are and and what we do is that's our effort to go and understand kids mm-hmm. we're just showing yeah. up as much as we can um in the mundane normal mm-hmm. normalcy of life of things that you know people aren't yeah. most adults aren't showing up to um well, you know, you wouldn't be surprised to hear the number of people that I work with, whether they're 15 or 20 or, you know, just yesterday, I worked with a 20, say, three or four year old who's deeply grieving, feeling just not seen and understood by her parents. Sure. A 30 year old who's just deeply grieved, not being seen or understood or, or being able to talk deeply with her parents a 45 year old, they're all just grieving and they can, and the words can be healing from a teacher or a young life leader or a counselor to have someone see you and see your best. And, and in your fullness of like, wow, like, oh yeah, I see the negative qualities. Sure. That's fine. But I see all these amazing superpowers and strengths, but it's never the same as getting that from your parents to feel seen. And, and right. It's just they they can't, most of them can't stop hoping that their parent will finally tell them what they always wanted to hear or always have that conversation that they always wanted to hear. Um, So I I feel like if parents could really just turn, you know, away from that tendency that you mentioned at the beginning of just seeing them in a negative light and seeing, you know, just having that faith and an observation of like, okay, my kid is special and unique and they have superpowers. Right. And I can see who they are. I'm going to discover what their superpowers are. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I was on a college tour with my 12th grade son right. a few days ago. And one of the tour guides just, I, she, I was like laughing my head off. She was cracking <laughs> me up. And, and really, I felt like I was laughing too hard a few times, but I'm like, she's just <laughs> making me laugh. And so at the end, I said, do, do people tell you you're funny a lot? And she goes, no. She was like, no. And I was shocked because, right. I mean, I was literally like laughing my head off. And she was like, that makes me feel so good. And yeah, she's sure. probably 20 years old. Right. And I'm like, how has no, no one, one else ever told ever? you that? Yeah. yeah. So um, just being on the lookout for that and making sure that they know. In fact, John Gottman, a relationship expert, a marriage expert, says there should be a five to one ratio of positives to negatives. Hmm. And so if parents could share and be looking for their kids, like, what are they uniquely good at? Even if it's something that seems dumb, like 
you can find anything. Right. Or you're so good at figuring out what the dog needs or, right. you know, those are, that's a type of intelligence. Right. You know? And I think part of, part of that is, you know, I think fundamentally kids haven't changed. Mm-hmm. It's, it's how those issues are being expressed mm-hmm. and experienced that mm-hmm. are different. Yeah. And so like fundamentally, I think kids are still asking them those those existential big questions of who am I? Do I belong? Mm-hmm. Who cares about me? Am mm-hmm. I loved? What value do right. I bring? What do I offer? What's yeah. my purpose? Yeah. Those those questions are all the same yes. still. Yes. Like the same things that we experience. Timeless. They yeah. are timeless. Um, it's just part of us as people. It's a universal human experience. Right. And and so in that way, I think what what's important for us is, you know, I think when kids distance themselves from us or, or say, you know, they're really quiet and they don't share. When you ask them, how was your day? They said, good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when, when things like that happen, I think immediately my head begins to think, well, you know, they're this or that or, you know, it's this generation or whatever. But the truth is kids are, are still crying out. Mm. It just might look different. Yeah. And for us to begin, like uh, it stood out when you said uh, – figuring out what the dog needs. You know? Yeah. It's like when your dog's at the back door whimpering, it's yes. like you've picked up on the noises and the and the body yeah. language of, oh, they need to go outside. Yeah. And you respond to that. And I think somewhere along the way, we've lost that attentive, attentiveness yeah. to begin to look for that in kids. Yes. Um, you know. And I, share it because right. they may not know that's a superpower. Right. A lot of us take for granted what it comes naturally to us. And so we're like, well, thanks, but that's easy. It's like, it's easy for you. Right. That's not easy for other people. Right. Sure. And, and I think kids are expressing that in different ways of, you know, one example I can think of, of our, our memes. It's mm-hmm. like, there's hilarious memes that are a little dark mm-hmm. <laughs> that are posted all the time yeah. that are really funny yeah but i think in some ways i think kids are expressing their their need and their their struggle through humor and Mm -hmm. online and it's it's like okay well i'm seeing that and i realize oh this is actually you crying out saying this is a problem i have in my life this is a a feeling that i'm experiencing that uh feels unnoticed that's such a great point. Like it's hard for them to be vulnerable and it feels so cheesy or whatever words that cringy. Right, yeah. <laughs> you would know <laughs> <Yep>. this. <laughs> um, but to to be like, I love you so much, you're awesome. Now they will say, at least my kids will say, I love you, and they say I love you to their friends a lot. Right, right. Which is kind of vulnerable, but but they're not gonna be like, You have no idea what a difference you've made in my life. Like right. they're more likely <laughs> to say, Oh, you're coming, oh gosh, please right. help me. But a kid, they may not say that, but they will probably post a picture with you. Yeah. On Instagram. And yeah. put a caption on there and say, I love you so like, you know, yeah. They've meant so much to me. Uh and, and, and it's just a different way that kids are communicating. They're communicating the same I things. I agree. It yeah. just looks different. And as adults, I think we have to uh, make efforts to begin to see those changes rather than wonder why they aren't doing it. Or it's responding. like translating a new language. Right. And, and I think most parents are wondering, why are they not expressing that the same way that I would? Mm-hmm. Or the same way my parents did? Mm-hmm. Kids are doing that. It just looks different. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of kids that will post on Mother's Day or Father's Day, a yeah. picture with their parent and a long post about what they mean to them. 
But I, I'm curious to know, did they actually say that? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not. Yeah. But they feel really comfortable sharing that on the internet. And so it's, it's just different way of communicating for kids now. Um, and for us to begin to embrace that, I mean, mm-hmm. they will be the future of gener- this generation will be our future. In yeah. just a few years, there'll be adults that are contributing to society and have jobs and have families and mm-hmm. buy homes. And I think for us to begin to embrace that, it's not slowing down. Mm-hmm. It's not changing. In a lot of ways, that's a good thing. And yeah. so for us to begin to embrace that and allow them to live in the good places of that and help them navigate how to avoid the negative parts of that. That's right. And that's where I really think whether it's, it's you know, adults and children or a married couple or whoever, we are not the enemy. We are in this together. Right. Life is hard. And, you know, it's trying to navigate that instead of these kids are terrible. And trust me, like cell phones and technology feel like the bane of my existence right. a lot of times. But just to be like, this is hard for you. This is hard for us. In 20 years, you know, there it'll be different. Like the parents that have teenagers in 20 years will have kind of grown up with technology right. a lot more than I have. Right. And so telling the kids and us like, this is a hard time for you and us because we're trying to understand each other. Right. And it's not that you're terrible or I'm a terrible parent. It's just, we are navigating new territories and when waters that other people haven't, and we don't need to fight and act like we're terrible or you're terrible. It's just, this is hard for all of us. Right. Absolutely. And I think part of that will be is having expectations that are clear Mm -hmm. with, with kids. I think, you know, when, kids are blindsided of why did you do that? You Mm -hmm. shouldn't have done that. Mm -hmm. And there was no expectations in place of knowing I shouldn't do that. Mm -hmm. I think kids feel even more misunderstood of like, well, I don't, I didn't, I don't know why I can't do that. Why Mm -hmm. should I not do that? Right. And so I think part of that is having a, even with, even with their phone or social media, it's having expectations of, Hey, these are the things you can do for this amount of time. Yeah. And the reason that you're limited to that mm-hmm. is because of this you yeah. know? and having expectations like that versus you spend too much time on your phone. Yeah. That, that comment may be true, mm-hmm. but there wasn't an expectation laid out for them right. to understand the framework of, wait, why? <laughs> why, yeah. why is that a big deal? Yeah. Versus, you know, getting ahead of that yes. and offering a kid some boundaries and guidelines of, we, we want to protect you from these things in order to do that. You know, here are your privileges of what you mm-hmm. can, can operate in these boundaries. Yeah. And then, and then, advice. and then, and then when you say, Hey, you've been on your phone too long, there's some parameters of, yeah. of understanding of, Oh, right. You're right. I, right. you told me this and I've done something that's different from that. Right. You don't set them up for failure, which, you know, I've made, we, my husband and I made huge mistakes in that area. We're just not very regimented, scheduled people. And I wish we had, if we had said, you can have a phone as long as you will, you know, you can use it for one hour on the weeknights and this many hours on the weekends. And I don't care what your friends are doing. This is the boundary. You know, we didn't do that. We just kind of, you know, berate them for being on it too long, you know? Yeah. And so I think that's where, you know, that's one example of, just a broader 
perspective of of adults having mm-hmm. expect laying out the expectations mm-hmm. and why those expectations are in place mm-hmm. for a kid. Yeah, um, I think helps kids navigate this mm-hmm. season of figuring out how do I how do I become an adult and yeah. gain independence, um, and it gives them <clears throat> parameters where they're not sheltered mm-hmm. and kept away from it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, they have healthy, you know, bumper guards, if you will, right. of, of this is where this is a healthy place to live. It's another it hybrid. Home. Right. Some rules and, and limits and boundaries, but some freedom because you need to, like you said earlier, start practicing because when you're 18, you're going right. to have to decide all this and figure right. it out on your own. And, and this isn't always true, but, you know, you find that a lot of times when a parent protects their kid um, from all of those things and, mm-hmm. and creates this utopia for them. You know, I think when they become an adult, it's, well, I'm going to experience all the things that I never got to yeah. experience. And it's almost as if that independence development was delayed. Mm-hmm. And now it's, they're trying to discover it Yeah. in their young adulthood when they turn 18. Yeah, that's versus, why you do. Versus discovering it yeah. in, in at least a safer environment of, mm-hmm. You live at home with your parents, and they generally know where you are, who you're with, mm-hmm. um, and there's some protective measures there um, instead of discovering that down the line when you're on your own. Exactly. And so, I, yeah, I mean, all that to say, I think coming back to understanding kids and having expectations for them, I think, is, you know, what kids need. In it's a lot loving. Of right. Yeah. I right. know. I, I've been wanting to do a podcast on like tough love for a long time and just <laughs> yeah. what people need versus what they want. And sometimes they're the same, but sometimes right. they're not. And it's really loving to have boundaries and and discipline and teach them life skills and give them chores. That's loving, right. you know? Right. Um, well, before we run out of time, just have a couple minutes left. Sure. Do you have any stories? I can't remember if you or the other Young Life person from Alabama right. shared some right. quotes, but there were some really great quotes at the event that were what I wish my parents understood. Yeah, sure. Or I've got those. Um, I, you know, we just sent out a, I just sent out a message to a bunch of kids and mm-hmm. asked from different schools and, you know, backgrounds and asked them pretty simple prompt. Just said, hey, if you were if you wanted to tell adults something about you, about, you know, what, what, what would you want them to know about you? Mm. And, um, here's some, some of them that they wrote and this wasn't a long prompt. It just, that was, that, that was, was it. it. Yeah. And one of them said, dear adults, I really wish you were more careful about how you treat us. Yes. I'm young and dumb, but that doesn't make me any less capable. Stop writing us off as lazy and help us. Hmm. Uh, here's another one dear adults I wish I could tell you what's going on in my life I wish you knew that I'm trying my hardest but you always seem to see me in a negative way I wish you would just listen Hmm. Um, dear adults I wish I could just scream at you sometimes I wish you could just understand so Hmm. I mean had dozens and dozens of these Hmm. that almost all of them said the same thing wow of we're trying our best. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want your help. Please help. Please listen to us. Try and understand us. Um, and that's that is a difficult. And you know, in a lot of ways, that's why I do what I do is because 
I know that kids are hurting uh, and they're misunderstood. And in a lot of ways, I want on behalf of adults in general, I want us to begin to believe in kids for who they are and not writing them off. Mm-hmm. So. Well, anything else? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, yeah, that's great. Thanks for having me and let me share a little bit and um, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I know. I think you got emotional at the banquet when yeah, you read yeah. those. Um, yeah. Well, thank you so much. This was amazing. And I really appreciate the work that you do. And yeah. everybody needs safe adults in their lives. Yeah. And, um, you know, you'll probably never know the impact you've had on so many people, mm-hmm. you know. My dad is just turned 81 the other day, and he was a college professor for many, many years. And, mm. and he still has people come to homecoming wow. and reunion looking for him Wow! because he made them feel loved and seen mm. and accepted. And, um, you know, I've heard stories of teachers that just I remember this college senior a couple years ago. He had ADD and he was always just viewed as this difficult troublemaker. Sure. And he was in tears in my office saying there was two teachers. There were two teachers in my history that saw me, valued me, mm. believed in me, loved me. And and he was in tears over it. You know, he's right. this big, tough, good looking <laughs> athlete. And, sure. and he was like, I still remember the two people that really saw me. Mm. And so any adult, you want it to be your parents, ideally, mm. even though you're pushing away. Sure. <laughs> but but any adult that can provide that is just such a healing, hmm. healing Absolutely. thing. Absolutely. And maybe this is a challenge for anybody listening is, would be next time you see a kid, think about a kid, maybe how do we begin to reframe our narrative of the words we would use to describe them? Yes. How do we begin to look at younger people and begin to describe them as they're resilient you know, they're connected, they're community focused, they're pragmatic, you know, all these yeah. words that um, would begin to communicate something yeah. totally different. Yeah, to viewing our young them people. in the best light right. instead of the worst light. Right. It really makes them just want to cut you out right. or shut down or they stop believing in themselves. Right, right. And that's, you know, that's with maybe your kids, but also just kids in general mm-hmm. beginning to see them in that light. I think we'll really begin to offer this younger generation hope of what's to come and beginning to believe in themselves. Yeah, like Um, we believe in you. Right, right. Amazing. Thank you so, so much. Of course. Thanks for having me. Loved it. Loved it.